It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Another projection, another example of disrespect to the Cincinnati Reds. Should we be worried about all of these predictions? We're going to discuss that and take your questions and comments on today's live Aloha Friday edition of Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. His name is Steve Offenbaker, and I'm worried. And I'm going to need Steve to talk me off a ledge today because, look, we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you and lifelong to the point that this season is the most anticipated season that I can ever remember. And I'm getting beat to death by these projection systems because my mind is just going insane. And we're going to discuss that on today's live Aloha edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And I would love to know what you're thinking in the comments section. You know, we we talked about how ridiculous we thought the projection systems were. We we talked about how they're missing the point when it comes to the Reds. But it's like the old saying says, if you see a jerk in the morning, you've seen a jerk. If you see jerks all day, then maybe you're the jerk. We're seeing a lot of projections that are all saying the same thing, Steve, and I, I, I'm going to need you to talk me off the ledge here. Before we do that, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and join today, FanDuel.com slash locked on your first $5 wager or more that wins, get you $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. And Steve, look, I, I, I get it, and and we've 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 talked about this team, and I, I think that our reds are difficult to project for many reasons, but I also continue to see these projections that not only do they not say, because you and I have constantly said, we think that the reds are going to win the division this year. Not only did they say that the reds are not going to win the division, everybody's picking them like fourth, like under 500, under 80 wins, taken a step back from last year they think they got lucky they think that there were a lot of factors that are going to come back down to earth with the team this year and they're not going to be as good and and, and it's got me I don't think it's got me wavering in my projections but it's certainly got me worried that all of this hype is going to be for not you know these projections Jeff they take the player's body of work 
and simulate things out multiple seasons, simulate out thousands of the same season, and they come up with these numbers. Here's the problem that I have. In the absence of real data, you cannot project that every single player on the team is just going to get worse. It's uh, true. You don't have the information, so say that. Uh, there is no good reason to think that any particular player is going to fall flat on their face. There is absolutely no reason at all to think that every player is going to fall on their face. And that's the starting point to these. So when you look at these projections and, and it's, and it's really unfortunate because this is probably the, the most hyped anticipated team, most hyped anticipated season that the reds have had in a long, long, long time. Uh, I don't normally go to the comments this early, Jeff, but I'm going to go to this one because it's, really on point this from Doug he says he's probably the oldest guy on the pod and the only time he's ever been this positive about the Reds is when they were developing Perez bench may Concepcion Nolan etc <laughs> I have to think this is how that felt Jeff when all of those rookies were coming up for the big red machine I have to think it felt like this and I bet you that these yahoos at the national projection sites would have said that that Reds team was going to fall flat on its face as well no, and, and that's fair. And I, I think what it's just, it's the constant barrage of this projection and that projection saying 78, 79 wins, which it's like, all right, if you'd have told me a couple of years ago that this experiment was going to get them to the point where they are getting closer and closer to 500, I think I'd have been all right with it. But we have constantly said that 2024 is the target year. 2024 is the year that really they can start to expect this contention window to really open. And, and Grant makes a good point. You know, they're the same projections are also saying that the Cardinals and Yankees are going to be winning both of their divisions. The Yankees are not beating the Orioles. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. I mean, they're even, uh, I, I think that the, Orioles are a little bit easier to project than the Reds because they have bigger sample size with most of their players. Oh, and by the way, they just traded for Corbin Burns. So this also makes me wonder, like, there, there are there's other folks that are taking this projections, all of these different projections to mean that the Reds didn't do enough, that the Reds went out this offseason and the moves that they have made have amounted to so little that not only will the team not get better this year, it'll actually get worse. And I just I find that hard to believe because, sure, did they go out and they get Blake Snell? No, but they got some bona fide talent that I think can really pan out, but it's just like, even if they go out and they get like Snell now, does this mean that the projection systems just completely flip and then they project the reds to win the division? I, I just, I don't, I, I feel like they see this red team as much further away than we do. And I don't know why, you know, Jeff, it's, it's wet blanket season is what it is. The, the, the national folks are, they don't have any news to talk about per se, uh, these projections come out at this time of year uh, in the dead spot between most of the transactions and the beginning of spring training. So they need something to talk about. They put out these projections. You've got some of the local media desperate to fill column inches. I think that that article that came out over the weekend that Jason Williams wrote was a desperation piece to fill some column inches. And it really came off as ill-informed and unenlightened. And I hope that somewhere along the way he puts out a make good to, to talk a little bit better about this team. Uh, because, you know, 
Jason's good at his job, but I did not agree with his take and I really didn't like the tone of it. Uh, in, a, in this, in this anticipation period, when we're all getting ready, I am, I was telling you yesterday, I am so jazzed and ready for baseball to start. I am ready to put a game on and, and watch this team play. So, you know, I understand Jeff, why you're, you're, you're feeling a little shaken today. I, I get it, but you just look at what's true. And, and when I say, look at what's true, I, I've got to go straight to the team's baseball reference page. Okay. Spencer steer was 19% above league average OPS plus of 119. Uh, Jonathan India, who got a lot of knocks played exactly league average at hundred TJ Friedel, 118 will Benson, 130 CES, 113 Matt McLean, 129 Fraley, 109. We got others that played above their heads in, in part-time participation roles. Nick Martini, 139. Noel V. Marte in his limited exposure, 120. These are all guys that were playing above league average, Jeff. They're not all going to fail. They have demonstrated what they can do. They have demonstrated that being in the big leagues is not above them. They're, they're not in over their heads. So take a breath. Take a step back from the ledge. Look at what you know to be true, what you've seen with your own eyes, because these national guys probably haven't even watched an entire Reds game uh, <laughs> all of last year. We've seen it. We know it. We've been there in person. We've given them the eye test. We can see the numbers on our screen. That's a compilation of their stats. We know these guys are going to be okay. Yeah, no, and and I would definitely say that brings me a little bit further from the edge. And uh, the one thing, though, that I I, I keep falling back on is that they continue to look at this pitching staff and think that there is just no redeemable value. Like they have Hunter green, basically mid four ERA. They have Nicola Dolo not starting all season. They have Alexis Diaz really regressing. Like, I don't know what they see in the Reds pitching that makes them feel like they're going to be this bad, but they're all projecting that the Reds are going to give up just as many or close to as many runs as they gave up last year. And we both said how much they were hurt and how much they missed the actual key contributors that they should be counting on. Now that those key contributors are healthy, projection systems continue to believe that this pitching staff will continue to be inept. Yeah, there's something wrong with the way they've projected the Reds pitching and, and an example of that, I will use a guy that wasn't here last year, and that's Brent Suter. His projection is 4.6 for an ERA. He has not had an ERA that bad, ever. His last three years were sub-four ERAs, all in the threes, and he pitched last year in Colorado. What in the wide world of sports makes any of these people think he's going to come into Cincinnati, which, you don't get to say this often, is a better place to pitch than where he was and have worse results. Why would they, why would the projections show that? That's why I think the projections are just broken. Uh, and we shouldn't pay attention to them. But the, the problem is that in this time period, in the absence of news, they carry so much weight and it's all that anybody's going to be talking about. And it has the tendency to derail your optimism. And it has the tendency to kind of deflate you a little bit, uh, especially in a town like Cincinnati, where you have just been waiting for a day like this to come along and be able to be excited yeah and i i agree i agree now i will say this um there are some points to ponder when it comes to these projections i think that we ought to unpack those uh coming up here in just a moment especially the the, the things about this young roster 
which make it hard to project, but also make me wonder a little bit about going really, really hard on the division winning projection. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about if this changes our stance on whether or not the Reds are the clear-cut division leader heading into the 2024 season. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do that, though, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Uh, do you want to save some money doing something that you have to do anyway? Well, then Ibotta is for you because you can start shopping with them and start getting cash back on every purchase you make with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Join the over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and many more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just to try Ibotta by using the code locked on MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and start earning cash back and use the code locked on MLB. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use the code Locked On MLB. Speaking of Locked On, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts like Jeff and I, and the Locked On national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next episode of Locked On Reds, this coming Monday, I sat down with Reds first round draft pick, Ty Floyd. We're going to have a conversation about uh, his baseball journey, basically, Jeff. We started going, we went all the way back to Little League and travel ball and worked our way forward to high school and a couple moments he had there and then to college at LSU and 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 a really big moment he had for LSU uh, pitching in the College World Series and then on to being drafted and his plans for the minors and, and what he's going to try and work on and his pitches. Lots and lots and lots and lots of content in there uh, from this young man that's uh, just getting his professional career started. So make sure you're subscribed so you can check that out. I wonder if he's going to be like the next Graham Ashcraft rising through the system. There's a lot of folks talking about Ty Floyd and where he lands in this Reds organization right now. So I'm excited to see that because I, I didn't get the chance to be on that. That was you and Ty and looking forward to seeing exactly everything Ty had to say. All right, Jeff. So hopefully I've got you back off of the ledge just a little bit. I think so. But but I know that also that this has dampened your whole let's let's claim it let's let's speak it into existence that the reds are running away with the national league central um i'll let you talk about that a little bit but i am not worried i would say be, because i'm really starting to look deep into what they're saying there's some things that i just don't agree with like i, I did see that fangraph zips projections basically said to the effect that the reds are a roster full of third baseman and i'm like excuse me sorry i saw a bunch of short stops on this team not third baseman I think he's talking about the the 2021 version of the Reds. There were a bunch of third basemen on that team. But the 2024 Reds are completely different. I think there's plenty of talent there. But I think that the, the thing that we said 
And the point that we made the other day, whenever we were so vehemently against the Pakoda projections, was that this team being so young and having so much upside makes it hard to project because it feels like they're projecting the baseline. They're projecting what they think they know about these players. And when you don't know that much about them, and when you don't have that much data to go on, it it, it belies a very conservative projection because I, I just feel like if you were to tell me all the things that the Reds, all the things that could go wrong with this Reds team this year, outside of everybody getting hurt, because obviously that's going to kill any, any team. But, you know, if all the things that could go wrong, I feel like 78 wins is what would happen if literally everything goes wrong. And so that's why these projections really kind of got me reconsidering that, like, could their floor be even lower than that? Because some of these players do have a wide range of variants, and I think that's really where projection systems tend to go vehemently against a fan's perspective. Yeah, I, I just I don't see it again. I can't see a scenario where every single person falls on their face. I, I just I can't see it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. And and I'm not just talking about rookies. Again, these projections have showed successful long-term Major League Baseball veterans falling on their face and the rookies falling on their face and everybody falling on their face. It's it's an unrealistic. So I say throw out the computer projections. If you want to if you want to know what you what you want to know about this team, then use your eyes, use what you saw last season. Use what you know to be true with this team and do the same thing for the rest of this division. Uh we saw live, you and I, last year, Jeff, we saw the Brewers live, we saw the Pirates live, we saw the Cardinals live, we saw the Cubs live. We saw them all. We know who they are. We know what they are. We know the moves they've made this offseason, just like we know the moves that the Reds have made. We watch a lot of baseball. We know how the additions to this team played for their previous teams. We know what we're getting. We know what we know. Mm-hmm. I know that that team, as constructed for 2024, the Reds, are better than 78 wins. I have no doubt in my mind about taking the over if you give me an over-under of 78. I have zero question about that. As for the rest of the division, I have no problem taking the under for whatever they're setting the St. Louis Cardinals as their over-under right now because there is no way they are going to perform the way that they are being projected. Much I feel the same way about the Cubs, although I would be a little more conservative than what I bet on the Cubs because they're a little wonky as to what they're doing. But the Brewers are going to be in free fall. The Pirates are going to be the Pirates. The Reds are going to win this division. I have faith. I have belief. And I have my own knowledge, my own information, my own critical thinking of what I've seen to back all that up. And you know what? Maybe you're verbalizing it, and and, uh, our buddy Carrick actually put it in the chat. said, uh, those projections were great for me. I I put my money down. And you know what? Maybe that's the the silver lining in all of this. These projections might actually bring the Reds over under down, and so it's going to be easier for that bet to hit. It's going to be uh, a little bit more on the VIG for the Reds to win the division and things like that. Because I'm with you, I just I, I I looked at what this team did last year, and I'm like, am I being too overly optimistic? No bias. Th- yeah, yeah. Happy Hermit. Yeah. Am I being too overly optimistic about these players? And it's just like, all right, maybe you're too overly optimistic by saying that all of them will take a step forward. But I don't think it's overly optimistic to say that a good chunk of them will. I mean, Spencer Steer, I believe, 
has shown us that he has a high floor anyway. We know that the sky is the limit for Ellie and for Noel V. Marte and Matt McClain. And Matt McClain has already shown that his floor is pretty high. So even if he hits his floor, it's still probably a 260 player. And I think that that's fine. But I, I really believe that the pitching side of things is what has me worried because that was the one thing that we said, all right, they need to improve a little bit on. And it felt like they did that. It felt like they went out and they supplemented the bullpen. It felt like they brought in, you know, between Nick Martinez who can kind of do either bullpen pitching or starting rotation pitching. And then Frankie Montas who has done it before, even though he's coming off of a major shoulder injury, like, it just kind of feels like they looked at those moves and they said that they might as well have done nothing at all. And I don't agree with that. I, I feel like they are discounting yet again, guys like Hunter green, taking a big step forward guys like Andrew Abbott, you know, not having a sophomore. So Andrew Abbott doesn't even really have to take a step forward. He just has to continue doing what he was doing. Maybe a little bit better on the ground ball, right? We talked about that, but honestly he pitched so well and he just got tired at the end of the year. Like, it seems like the the projection systems heavily weighed August and September and almost completely ignored June and July when this team was just clicking on all cylinders. You know, uh, it's funny. Uh, Carrick and I have been on the same, same wavelength for the last couple Aloha Lives. That's that's I don't know what's going on with that. Get out of my head, Carrick. <laughs> Get out of my head. Debbie Brown checks in with this, Jeff. Says that Todd Frazier on foul territory uh, – with his guys have defended the reds well first of all todd should be out there doing the lord's work and defending the reds but at least there's somebody out there doing it because i haven't heard a whole lot of it lately from these national guys but i just want to reiterate jeff that i think this is a whole lot of nothing from these projections i do not want anyone to be discouraged based on what zips is trying to say or pakoda or anybody else the depth ratings over at Fangraphs, none of that matters because we know better and I agree. And I think I'm back. I might, you know, might do a John Wick gif here. Probably not, but I, that's what I'm feeling. I, I pull me back in. Or I guess that's Al Pacino. I'm getting my gifts mixed up. Anyway, whatever. We're back. And that means that it's time for you. It's time for questions. time for comments. We are jumping in to our listener interaction portion of the Aloha Live Friday show. That is coming up right after this. Because before we do that, I want to tell you about one of our other sponsors today, and that is FanDuel. We are heading into one of the best weekends of the season. If you're a fan of all sports like myself, Super Bowl weekend is amazing. And FanDuel makes the Super Bowl awesome. Because if you're like me, you're just looking for the most comfortable seat at whatever party you're going. If you're going to your friend's house, your family's house, if you're going to an event center, whatever, you're looking for the most comfortable seat. The best snacks for me, I'm a wings guy and, and like a chips and dip guy when it comes to the Super Bowl. Not much into pizzas or anything like that. Like, I want to be able to eat everything with my hands. I don't need, you know, I guess you can with pizza. Anyway, whatever. Good food, good seats, good wagers. FanDuel's going to help you out with that. Head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And your first wager is a new user of $5 or more that wins will net you $200 in bonus bets on the Super Bowl. Uh, it's still two and a half. It's been like two and a half ever since the championship week was concluded, but the 49ers are actually two and a half point favorites over the Chiefs. How do I feel about that? 
And I'm not even sure that I'm going to know how I feel about that until kickoff. So we'll see exactly what goes down. But I know this. They still have the Reds over under at 82 and a half. I wonder if that comes down a little bit. Maybe keep an eye on that with all these projection systems saying otherwise. You can check that out at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and join today. Again, new users with a $5 winning wager get $200 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. You can follow the show in between episodes. You can follow us on Twitter X at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. There's no F's in that. You can also join the Lockdown Reds Discord page. A lot of great folks talking baseball over there. They're, they're talking to each other on and off the ledge different times when it comes to different things, different news items all throughout the offseason. And as we head into spring training, we remain active talking Reds all day, every day on the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Also, check out InsideTheReds.com. A lot of great coverage over there by myself, Steve, Caleb Sisk, Adi Elmore, Rick Uccino. A lot of great folks writing Reds baseball. By the way, James Rapine as well from Lockdown Bengals is also covering the Reds over at InsideTheReds.com. Bookmark it today. All right, Steve, we are into the listener interaction portion. I know that uh, folks have been joining you, and I appreciate everybody for uh, joining you in the chorus of talking Jeff off the ledge today. I don't know. I just, we were sitting down to record, and I was just like, man, it's been a bad way. We need, we need to, we need to figure this out. We need to talk this out because these projection systems got me down. And you're absolutely right. This team is beyond computers, and I'm back, baby. We're back. All right. Well, let's get into a couple of these comments. Uh, we're gonna we're not going back on the ledge, but uh, I am gonna take a couple in conjunction here, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, Sin City Boxing Authority weighs in with this: says we have five different players with at least twenty bombs. Starting pitching is still my only concern because no one can stay healthy. And I want to follow that with this. Luke Goodman says with Rhett Louder, Connor Phillips, and others near ready, and having a young core already in place with Green, Ashcraft, Lodolo, and Abbott, how do the Reds make rotation room going forward? Okay, so let's take these two things together. So for Sin City Boxing, if there is some injuries, they pretty much have two full starting rotations stashed already. They have built some serious depth with guys that are ready to go. Now, I don't think Rhett Lauder's one of them. I don't think he's ready quite yet, but there are guys. They have built a list of eight to ten names that could start a game at the big league level, and you would feel mostly okay with it. Uh, gone are the days of, of calling up some guy you've never heard of to, to make an emergency start. To the point of how do they make room for the guys if there aren't injuries? Well, there will always be little things. Somebody's going to have a tired arm and need to skip a start. There's going to be some rain this summer in Cincinnati. It always happens. There's going to be a doubleheader somewhere along the way where guys have to make starts. There's going to be a, 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 a nice, easy churn through this. There's going to be guys that get their opportunities. There's going to be guys that struggle and maybe need to shut it down for a bit and, and work on something, or or they're going to have that, that case of inflated ERA that they call tendonitis or whatever it is they put on the injury <laughs> yeah. report. And somebody's going to get a start. What I'm saying is the normal course of a baseball season is going to create opportunities for everybody to get a look. And then it boils down to what you do with that look uh, and the best five guys, may they continue to start every fifth day. That's, I think that's just the way it's going to work. That's definitely something that Nick Crawl is going to have to keep an eye on. Like there's gone are the days where we can just sit through four five, six rough starts. Like if a guy is hitting a, a rough spell, there's somebody else to take his place. And I think too the, the, the point about the future, and there's definitely going to be more conversation 
down the line when it comes to what the future of this pitching staff looks like. There's probably going to be a couple of guys that are listed as starters right now who become bullpen pieces. And there may even be guys listed as starters right now who the Reds package together and go trade for an even better starter or some form or fashion like that. Like Nick Crawl needs to be very judicious with that. That was something that he got dinged on in these projection systems is that it felt like the Reds had a lot of very similar players positionally, and they probably should have traded one or two of them to go get, you know, players that they need, you know, like outfielders or, you know, maybe a a big time starting pitcher. The thing is though, I still think that there's plenty of talent here. The, The Nick crawl's done a beautiful job of adding so many darts here that he can throw out the board. One or two of them is going to stick and they're going to become bona fide aces. Like, could it be Hunter green, Nick Lodolo? It seemed like it was headed for that direction until uh, Nick Lodolo got hurt last year. And maybe Hunter green can still step up. Maybe Andrew Abbott joins that conversation. Maybe Graham Ashcraft continues that way. I don't know, but the good news is they have a lot of different opportunities here and they're not just banking on a couple of guys. All right, let's move off of pitching and go to the outfield. That's still the area that I think needs improvement, and Alex wants to know why. Alex says, why are people still wanting a power right-handed outfielder? Is that not steer? Even when there's a lefty on the mound, Frieda will be in center, and Benson, and this is the part where we're going we're gonna to fix this, but he says Benson has a 275 average against lefty starters. He does not. Uh, career, <laughs> career splits for Will Benson against left-handed pitching, uh, 130, 200, 174. That's his slash line. Um, I don't think he is the answer versus left-handed pitching. I don't think he should get an opportunity to start against left-handed pitching. They need a right-handed power bat to platoon with him. Uh, whether that comes from somebody that's on the team now, is that CES? Is that Noel V. Marte? A lot of people think it could be. Uh, is that where they stick Jonathan India? Not the power bat that I want, but it keeps, it keeps Johnny in the lineup and from making noise, I guess. So, there's options that do not include starting Will Benson every day against left-handed pitching. We're just looking up his point because baseball reference does split it up like based on, you know, is it is it just all left-handed pitchers or is a left-handed starter? starter? And it does say I'd have to see more qualifications as to what this is because Will Benson against left-handed pitchers on the splits has 6 hits and 41 at bats. But then according to this same split, it says against left-handed starters, he has nine hits in 32 at-bats. I don't know. that There's yeah. some weird maths, mathematical uh, sure. gymnastics that are going on I there. If, I wonder if the left-handed starter category is statistics from where any left-hander started a game and doesn't take into account that he came into the game later because he switches into games lots of times okay. when – the pitcher changes. So I'd have to look and see how baseball reference is breaking down this particular stat, but his overall numbers against left-handed pitching period, just left-handed pitching his, yeah. his slash lines, 130, 200, 174. And that's just not going to get it done on an everyday basis. And, and it was something that he carried with him during the minor leagues as well. Now in the minor leagues, he had a better on base percentage than he has shown in the majors against left-handed pitching, but it's been the same. He does not hit left-handed pitching. So could he figure it out? Maybe, it's just both Steve and I's opinion that the Reds don't really have the luxury of figuring that out this year. That's why we said they needed another right-handed guy to platoon with Will Benson. And while you can squint and say that Josh Harrison can play the outfield, I don't necessarily know that that satisfies 
the need. Like maybe he figures it out, but we were really looking for like a bona fide, like even if it was just an Adam Duvall or somebody like that, that you could slot in and he just murders left-handed pitching. And then you don't have to worry about that. You probably just have to worry about it defensively. Yeah, that's that's where we that's where we come up with the right hand and knee because I just don't see Will Benson figuring out against lefties to the point that it becomes a strength and it becomes something that leads the Reds to the playoffs. This from John and there's a there's a little side conversation going in the the chat, Jeff, about Hunter Green. Uh, John says Green is the one that scares him. Uh, he cannot continue to pitch four and a third inning, give up three bombs, and throw 100 pitches. That's not an ace. There were some other comments further back, Jeff, that said, is this the boomer bust year for Hunter Green? What if he's not the ace that we think he is? What, what do the Reds do then? Um, I think all of that taken together, if Hunter Green can't turn a corner, and I, I think he will turn a corner, let me be clear, but if he cannot, there's a lot of depth, and there are a lot of guys hungry to come take his spot. And... While the Reds did buy out some of his uh, free agent, a year or two of his free agent years, and have him signed all the way through the arbitration period, it's not debilitating money as far as this particular small market franchise is concerned. They did right. pay him a little bit more than he probably would have gotten, but they they created a stable situation. Uh, all that being said, Jeff, I think Derek Johnson's going to work with Hunter Green and continue to work with Hunter Green, and I think they're going to figure it out. I think you're right in that you can not have to look very hard to see him getting his strikeout totals up near two hundreds. But my point, the, the point is not lost on me here where he's got to start going deeper into games. He's got to be not only, you know, continued to have greater success against the hitters, but he has to be able to be pitch efficient. He can't throw a hundred pitches through four oh, innings yeah. anymore. He's got to stretch that out. That's definitely something that has to, has to be figured out even for him just to be a viable starter like we're not even talking about ace material if he continues to have these four inning starts which make no mistake about it i think we as reds fans fixate on those he had plenty of six inning starts last year there, there was not a case where it was just like it was all he did was go four innings every time like he had some of those starts but he also had six inning starts he had the same amount of I think balance between the two, as you would expect somebody who's only in their second year in major league baseball, we do have a lot to cover and I definitely want to get to Brendan's question, but I do want to cut it off right here. But if you're watching this back, thank you so much for checking out part one. We got part two coming at you just a little bit later on here, this live Aloha edition of the podcast. If you didn't get a chance, make sure you join us 2 PM to 5 PM. Depends on how the afternoon goes. Sometimes we're on Friday we're afternoon on Jeff time around here. What are you talking? We're on Jeff time during the afternoons, Friday afternoons, uh, all through spring training because we're going to be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad. Free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.